Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from rimfiretactical.com, and I'm glad you're here. So we've had a, a, an awesome start to 2020. Uh, January has just been incredible with uh, the SHOT Show taking place and all the new rifles and handguns and ammunition and optics coming out for uh, those of us in the Rimfire world. And we're not really going to talk about that today. I'm just really going to go into um, just, you know, how excited I am for this 2020 shooting season uh, with this much, um, you know, this much information coming out, this, uh, these types of products that are coming out. I mean, 2020 is shaping up to be an even more incredible year for those of us in the Rimfire world. Um, want to talk today though, and you know, I mentioned before trying to keep the, the episodes kind of short. Um, so I'm going to dive right in to, uh, something that I was going to cover in a previous episode, but, uh, like I said, trying to keep them to around 30 minutes and, uh, I was talking about the NRL 22 and, uh, basically not only NRL 22 and, and how excited I am to finally be able to shoot those matches because we do have some that are local, but my desire to put together uh, a rifle where I could shoot in both, uh, in multiple classes. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with how NRL works, uh, you have an open class where you can shoot a rifle in any configuration, um, any optic, you know, there's the sky's the limit. Um, and for a majority of the rifles and, and optics that I own, actually about all of them, I'm definitely going to be in that open class. And that's what I'd always planned to shoot. But um, but I also wanted to have a rifle set up to shoot in the base class. And if you're not familiar with base class, it's real simple. Base class is um, it's any factory rifle that is current production. And um, the rifle and the scope have a combined MSRP, you know, manufacturer suggested retail price. The combined MSRP of the rifle and the scope cannot exceed $1,050. And, um, you know, doesn't matter what you you paid for it. Uh, doesn't matter at all if you got a deal. Uh, none of those things matter. All that matters is that factory price. And, um, you know, the reason that they stick to current production is because there is no way to go back five or six or seven years or 30 years uh, to know what the cost was to produce or what the MSRP was, you know, on the CZ 452 or on, um, you know, some, uh, some Remington or Ruger that's no longer produced. And like I said, you know, looking at the rifles that I have, um, I've got several that the MSRP would have been just fine. And so the same thing for the scope, but the, you know, the specific models that I have for the rifle or the scope are no longer made. So there is no way to get a current MSRP on it. And, um, and so, like I said, you know, I had this desire to put something together. I've talked about my reasons in previous podcasts, um, for doing this, but just to give you a a 30 second refresher, all the matches that I shoot outside of NRL 22, the matches typically have, um, either different classes or, um, multiple matches that happened during the same uh, day, so to speak. And like a good example, one of the local matches I shoot has an unlimited class. And then they also have a, uh, 
what they call a squirrel class. And that unlimited class, man, you can shoot anything. You can shoot your Bentress rifle if you want. Um, you can shoot any any rifle uh, built any way. I think the only um, the only thing they limit you to is that you can't use a tuner. But in their squirrel rifle class, or which would be the you know similar to like the base class in NRL twenty two, they limit you to a factory rifle with the factory stock, factory barrel, factory trigger, and they also limit you to using a scope that uh, is the magnification can't be over nine power, and uh, they do this as a way to basically make sure that people who come out and shoot. Um, you know, if they're coming out for their first time match or, you know, they, they didn't want to set up a rifle just for competing in that match, no worries. They can bring their, their squirrel rifle out and they can compete. And, uh, so, you know, if you're shooting in that, that squirrel rifle class, all you have to do is just, you know, turn the magnification on your scope to non-power, um, for most of the people who compete in the, um, that match, they're able to use the same rifle uh, in a lot of cases for both matches. But, uh, you know, if you've got a, a five to 25 magnification optic or whatever, no worries. Just turn it down to nine power. And, um, the way I've always viewed this when I go to matches is I want to shoot as much as I can on the days that I'm going to those matches. I mean, I'm already driving, you know, however long it takes to get to the match you know, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it happens to be. So I'm, I'm still going to drive the same amount of time. And to me, it just makes sense to shoot more if you can. And a great example of this is uh, with that particular match that has the unlimited class and then they have the squirrel rifle class. They always shoot the unlimited class first. And so everybody that wants to compete in that class, they can. And then once that unlimited match is over, then they run the second match, which is the squirrel rifle match. And, uh, you know, for me, um, it's just so much fun. You're shooting the same course of fire, but, uh, you know, in some cases I may shoot the same rifle, just turning the, the magnification down on the scope. In other uh, cases, you know, I'm shooting completely different rifles, but it's a lot of fun. And, and again, my thought is if I'm going, you know, to the match, I want to shoot as much as I can. So that's why when, when I found out there was a local NRL match, I thought, man, this is great. Um, you know, again, most of my rifles are, are going to fall into that unlimited category, but at least, uh, you know, if I, um, if I put together something for base class, then, you know, if time allows and everything, then I could go back and shoot the course of fire, you know, with a base class rifle as well. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm only, uh, I joined NRL to shoot open class. Um, I'm not trying to compete in base class uh, the way I, I'm trying to compete in open. But what I am trying to do is, A, see how well I shoot with whatever I've put together for base class. And B, um, get more trigger time, get more practice in. Um, the other nice thing about it is, it gives me something that I can loan to someone if they you know, come out to shoot a match for the first time or I invite them out. I can take this rifle along and, um, you know, they're going to have a quality rifle that they can shoot 
And if they decide they want to start shooting these types of matches and they want to buy their own, they're not looking at it or they, they haven't shot a match with, uh, you know, a voodoo gunworks uh, apparition model in a J Allen chassis with a uh, trigger tech diamond trigger that voodoo rifle having a Bartland barrel with a night force seven to 35 attack R they're not, you know, they didn't shoot the match with a rifle and scope combo that uh, is a significant investment. And so they go from being really excited about joining and doing this type of shooting only to find out, Holy smokes, that's a lot of money. And I don't want to invest that kind of money. They can start off, you know, or they, they, they know how well they were able to shoot a match and how much fun they had with a much lower cost rifle and scope. So I want to talk today um, about this specific uh, base rifle setup uh, that I'm, I'm putting together and kind of go into details on it a bit more. Um, the simple way to describe it would be um, one of my friends, when I told him what I was doing, he said, dude, it's like that old TV show that used to be on called Pimp My Ride. He's like, the only difference is you're pimping your CZ. And so uh, I guess we'll call, that's what we'll call this episode is Pimp My CZ. Um, you know, I, I, I decided on the base class rifles, uh, I decided to go with the CZ 457 Pro Varmint uh, because I felt really either a 457 CZ or a, uh, a Tika T1X, I felt like one of those two was b probably the best option for me to go with uh, as far as a base class gun. I opted to go with the CZ more so because of the the Boyd's Pro Varmint stock. I mean, I don't think it's great by any stretch, but I think it is good and usable. Um, I like it better than, than the synthetic stock on the, the Tika. And more importantly, um, I probably have uh, eight or 10 or maybe even more than that. I'm not sure. Uh, 10 round magazines for CZs because I have other CZs, 452s and 453s and uh, even a 455. So since I already had a bunch of extra magazines, um, that that made the decision really easy for me because I'm a big fan of having multiple magazines. That way I can load magazines at the house before I go to shoot at the range or go shoot a match. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not constantly uh, having to load magazines between stages and things like that. Um, now, all that being said, the Pro Varmint, when I got it, um, you know, neat little rifle. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I've looked at several in stores. Uh, I found a great deal on mine and um, picked it up. But uh, I've looked at several of those things in stores, and every single one of them, when CZ ships them, it's it's like the, the uh, action screws are loose. And so the barreled action just rocks in the, the stock. Um, but, you know, I started thinking about it, and those base class rules say that it has to be the factory uh, rifle being the barreled action um, and the factory stock, but they do allow for certain modifications to the rifle that will still fall into base class. Um, so I, I made some changes and I'm going to go through those, but I'm also, uh, I'm going to talk just a little bit about the optic that I chose and uh, we're going to be doing a full review here in the next couple of weeks, really just depending on the weather. Um, where I live, we haven't had a lot of snow, but man, we have had a ton of rain uh, to the point where even our, our 
February NRL match is canceled, uh, or, or maybe you know, it may get rescheduled, but for the time being, it's canceled just because things are the conditions are so bad that uh, we really can't get in and out of the uh, the match without being stuck in mud. And uh, all the ranges are in, in really rough shape right now because of all this rain. But um, a little bit about the the optic that I went with. Um, I think I may have mentioned it before, but at this point, who knows? The holidays and the start of the new year, I'm, I feel like my brain's fried. But what I did is uh, I was planning on using either an Athlon or a Vortex. I don't have nearly as much experience with the Athlon because in my area, uh, nobody carries it, uh, carries the, the line of scopes. I hear great things about them, but uh, unfortunately, um, I, I tend to be somebody who likes to be able to pick it, pick up the scope, look through it, you know, dial the the turrets, feel the clicks, um, and, and really, uh, you know, look it over before I'm buying something blind, so to speak. Not to say I haven't done it before. I've done it with a number of high-end scopes. But, uh, you know, when you get into some of the lower-cost optics, you get a lot of varying opinions. Um, and so it's real difficult to uh, make a decision on something like that, or at least it is for me, without being able to check it out first. Because there's nobody really in this area that carries Athlons, um, I sort of, you know, kind of put those as a, a distant option. Um, and I started looking at the Vortex. The challenge is, again, where I live, very few people in this area um, carry Vortex. Uh, typically, the only um, the only place that you can find a, a selection of Vortex optics is actually at Cabela's. And so um, I took some time one day. I went to Cabela's, had every intention of checking out a Vortex uh, Diamondback Tactical. Because I'd went with the 457 for the rifle, the MSRP on the 457 is higher than some of the other CZ models or the Tika models. So it left me with a lower price point for the MSRP of the optic. And uh, that took the 6 to 24 uh, Diamondback Tactical out of contention. And so I, I went there looking at a, uh, planning to look at a, a Vortex 4 to 16 uh, Diamondback Tactical. Um, when I got there, as often happens when you go to the bigger stores like that, I had to wait for a while for somebody to come over and help me. And while I was waiting for them, I noticed that right beside of the um, the Vortex Optics, there was the Cabela's Covenant brand. Now, what's interesting about these is uh, I've heard mixed reviews through the years. Uh, and, and even today, if you ask five Cabela's employees, hey, who makes the Cabela's Covenant scopes and binoculars and uh, spotting scopes? Who, who makes those? You'll get five different answers. I've been told Vortex, Athlon. Um, I was told Loophold. I mean, it, you know, they don't know. And and at this point, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just one of those things that I think is kind of funny that, you know, it's, it's like, you know, this, this mysterious thing. But while I was waiting, like I said, I was looking at these scopes and there was a 5 to 25 and uh, I think it was a Covenant 5 and then there was a 5 to 35 that was a Covenant 7. And I was looking at the scopes through the glass and I thought, man, those things look pretty good. Um, so when I finally got someone to come over, I started looking into it and, uh, you know, checked out the, the Diamondback Tactical. Seemed like a nice scope. 
Um, the challenge with it, of course, is that it, um, um, you know, smaller turrets, uh, they weren't that crisp to me. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a good scope and, you know, would not be a bad option at all. But then I asked to look at those Cabela's Covenant scopes. And uh, at least on the ones that I looked at and ultimately bought, uh, the 7 to 35, um, it's a nice scope. The glass looks really good. Um, the turrets are really crisp on the, the clicks. Uh, not, not all of them may be, um, may be something that is, you know, it, not all of them may be that way. There may be some inconsistency in them. Um, what is it, honey? I'm in, I'm doing a podcast, huh? Don't know. Don't, that's not time to talk about. It, okay. Sorry about that guys. This is the challenge of recording when I'm at home. Um, but, uh, uh my eight year old who is having a sick day from school. Um, thankfully she's doing great. So no issues there. Um, more like a free day from school, but, um, back to talking about that Cabela's scope. The challenge that um, that I had with it was, you know, I don't know who made it. I don't know um, really enough about it, but I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to test this thing out and see how how well it actually performs. And uh, has a low MSRP of three ninety nine. Uh, I happened to purchase it um, when they had a sale going for Christmas, which had it down to two ninety nine. So it was a great, you know, great value there. And, um, or at least for the bells and whistles, because it's a five to 35 magnification range. Uh, it's 56 millimeter objective, 34 millimeter tube. Uh, if I remember correctly, I want to say, um, I believe, and I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say it's like 70 MOA of elevation is what is, um, is what they, uh, market it as. I haven't spent any time at all with this thing yet. So um, I've, I've heard some people say it was closer to 100 MOA. I've, I've seen some other comments that said, you know, theirs was less. But, you know, we'll, we'll be finding out re- very quickly on that. But that's the, what I, the direction I chose to go on the optic. Now, on the rifle, like I said, you know, I know that I can do basically anything to the rifle. Um, as far as triggers, um, glass bedding, things like that. It just has to be that factory barreled action in the factory uh, Boyd stock. So here's what I did. Here's how I went out to pimp my CZ. The first thing, you know, I mentioned how every single one of those rifles that I've looked at in any shop in my area, every one of them had loose action screws. And if, if you've never had experience with the Boyd stocks, they're good. But sometimes uh, the inletting can be a little um, touchy, a little, little dicey there. So what we decided to do is go ahead and just glass bed it. Um, I started once to do pillars, um, but ultimately just decided we just glass bed. And getting that uh, that action glass bed in there, you know, it has made a world of difference in how it it, uh, it sits in the stock. And uh, I can only see that being a great uh, a great thing to do. Now, another thing that I did with the stock, um, in NRL 22 matches, 
every match does or course design I have seen um, for each month, there's always at least one positional stage. And um, when I say positional, it may be that you're shooting offhand or you're shooting from a kneeling position or um, sitting or lots of different things. And, you know, one of the recommended accessories uh, for those types of stages is to have a, a shooting sling. Now, shooting slings can be everything from, I mean, I've seen people use everything from just your standard leather or even a neoprene type sling that they would use on their hunting rifle and just wrapping their arm through it all the way to a dedicated shooting sling like the short action precision uh, sap sling which is actually what uh, I've purchased to use in matches. Now, that sling attaches to the rifle stock or chassis in a couple different ways. You can either get it as an attachment where it will connect to a standard Harris bipod uh, stud, sling stud, um, or you can also get them with the quick release or flush cup uh, attachments. Since my plan is to primarily shoot my voodoos in the NRL matches. They all have flush cups. So I decided to add flush cups to the, the Boyd stock on the CZ. And we um, had a friend of, of mine do this. Um, he's he got all the equipment and he did a great job. And so now I'm able to use that sap sling on the, uh, using the, the quick release or flush cup attachments. I'm able to do that. Um, on that Boyd stock. And I mean, I think it's made, it, it's going to make it so much more usable now. Um, the next thing I, I did, uh, I typically prefer to use Atlas bipods. Uh, I have a lot of Harris bipods and, and even some of the Harris knockoffs that, uh, have, I've got on rifles that I've purchased, you know, used guns and stuff like that. I think some of them are from Caldwell or like Blackhawk and some of those, but you know, I like the, those hairstyle bipods, but I, I prefer the Atlas. I think they're uh, a sturdier bipod. I don't think they flex quite as much. And uh, the challenge with them is all of my, my Atlas bipods, uh, they all attach to the rifle using a Picatinny rail. And uh, the, the CZ comes with two hairstyle sling studs in the stock doesn't come with Picatinny rail at all. So I purchased, and I believe I bought it from Area 419. It's just a, a short uh, piece of rail, just enough to cover the two uh, sling studs, and um, purchased that to add to the stock so that I can use the Atlas bipod with no issues. And, uh, you know, that way I've got that, that familiarity and that commonality with the voodoos. Uh, because they're all using, you know, I've got Atlas on, Atlas bipods on those. After that, I started thinking about when, you know, what I would do when it comes time to shoot off of a barricade. And one of the nice things about a lot of the stocks and chassis that are out there is a lot of them have built-in barricade stops, uh, something to keep, you know, or to have as a solid point, uh, a solid reference point on the rifle to go up against the edge of the barricade. And on that CZ, uh, you know, there's really not a way to add something like that. And uh, 
Um, one, one thing that I thought, you know, would, would give me the option to add something like that would be an ARCA rail, but with an ARCA rail, those actually are prohibited on base class rifles, uh, primarily because the thought process is, you know, a full length rail going the entire length of the, the stock from the trigger guard to the end, that's going to add additional support to that stock. And, uh, you know, that kind of goes in, uh, um, that, that, that's not in alignment with what the goal is of base class, which is to have a factory rifle and the factory stock. Uh, at that point, you kind of modified the stock probably for the attachments, like I'm thinking, but also you're, you're giving it more stability. So it's not going to be comparable to somebody else that's shooting a factory stock without it. So as I was looking through the different options, I uh, learned that, uh, again, I believe it was, uh, area 419, they offer a replacement trigger guard for the CZ-457 that has a built-in um, uh, barricade stop at the, the front of it. Now, it also has an extended magazine release. And, um, you know, I really like the concept of both of those because, first and foremost, uh, I have seen pictures a couple of times of people who um, were shooting a CZ with especially if they had the 10 round magazine, it's a plastic magazine. And when they, you know, drove the rifle into the, the barricade, they weren't necessarily paying attention and they, they went too far. And the barricade actually ended up pushing against the magazine. And in most cases, what that's going to do is create a, a bind where the, the magazine is at, you know, getting pushed into an angle where it can't feed properly. But also another issue that that can create is I remember seeing one picture where a guy actually cracked his magazine. Now, I don't know if he just jammed the rifle up against the barricade so hard that he cracked it, or if there was actually more to the story, maybe he slipped and, um, you know, as he was trying to approach it or whatever, but ultimately, you know, I was looking for something that, uh, that could help protect that magazine that's hanging down below the stock and that area 419, uh, replacement trigger guard has that built in barricade stop. And like I said, as part of it, it also has the um, the extended magazine release. So I think it's going to be a great addition. Now, moving on, you know, one of the downsides to uh, factory rifles, uh, and especially a lot of the CZs, is the factory triggers um, are not that great. But on the CZ, I think the Tika as well, um, there's a lot of factory adjustment. And... I'm a big fan of uh, a lighter trigger on my match rifles. So I started looking at uh, being able to reduce the, the creep and reduce the trigger pull on that rifle. And, um, you know, I, I went ahead and picked up one of the Yo Dave trigger springs. Uh, so I'll be able to get that trigger pull hopefully down into, you know, the eight to 10, maybe 12 ounce range. Um, and with zero creep. And to me, that was a, um, that was a big deal because I think that's, uh, one of the, the things that really aids, uh, shooters is having a quality trigger and a predictable trigger. And from everything I've read and seen and the people I've talked to the Yodave kit combined with adjusting the trigger, the factory trigger as well, you know, you can get some really low consistent trigger pulls. So, Really excited about that. Um, the next addition 
that I made to, or change that I made to the 457. Um, I like a large bolt handle, um, you know, something that's easy to, to grab and run the bolt. Um, and, um, you know, on shoots and shoots, however you want to say it through the years, they've, they've typically put like a small, um, or a, it's not small, but a, a ball type bolt handle, which I, I like those a lot, uh, on my, my tactical guns, my match rifles, most of those have you know, some sort of a large bolt handle. And for the CZ, I, I ran into a real issue trying to find a replacement bolt knob. Um, the great thing about the 457 is CZ designed this one where you could actually unscrew the factory bolt knob and screw a new one on instead of having to have a whole new handle like you would have to do with the older CZ models. But I couldn't find anything in stock except for uh, one that I think was maybe from, it may have been an Area 419 as well, but I didn't really care for the design as much. And so uh, I had this thought that if I could figure out the thread, uh, that, uh, the uh, thread pitch that was being used on the bolt handle from CZ, if I could find a similar, um, you know, another manufacturer that was making the same or using that same thread, maybe I could find something for, for it. It turns out that um, Bergara uses the same thread pitch on their bolt handles and uh, or bolt knobs. And I was able to find a Bergara, a large um, bolt knob for Bergara's uh, that I purchased. And the factory CZ bolt knob I've seen people talk about lots of different ways of, of removing theirs. Maybe they heat it with a torch um, or, you know, a lighter or something. Um, and a lot of people will talk about, you know, different ways that they could protect the finish when they, they unscrewed theirs uh, in case they wanted to replace it. I have no desire to put the factory one back on. So instead of really uh, going to a lot of trouble, I simply took a pair of channel locks. I unscrewed that thing. And, um, you know, it was on there with a lot of Loctite, which is great, but, um, I screwed that, uh, Bergara bolt handle on and, uh, man, it has made a huge difference. It's easier to grab and manipulate. And, um, uh, I'm, I feel confident. I'm going to be very pleased with it. Um, talking about the, the scope before, you know, I mentioned, I, I'm going with that Cabela's covenant, um, I wanted something for the the scope you know, mount. I wanted something that would give me some some camp built in and try to maximize as much of the the adjustment range as I have on the scope. When I looked at different rail options that were out there, um, there's a lot of them, but ultimately I ended up going with a 35 MOA rail from uh, a company called Triggers by Scar. Uh, he's known for making some really good uh, triggers for the 455 CZs, and, and I'm sure at some point he'll have one out for the 457 as well. But I went with the 35 MOA extended rail. Uh, that way I'd have plenty of room to move that scope wherever it needed to be. And, um, you know, with the 35 MOA, um, the goal is to be able to zero that rifle at 25 yards and still have a majority of the elevation left instead of, you know, being zeroed at 25 yards and only having half of the, uh, the elevation, which is what we sometimes run into. Um, now, as far as the 
the or the the rings I'm going to use. I'm not 100% sure. Um, more than likely, I'm going to use the worn uh, one piece mount. Um, but it, you know, I may end up with a different um, set of rings. I'm just not sure. Um, this weekend actually is when I plan to, to get everything put together, and uh, you know, we'll just see how everything works out. But using that 56 millimeter objective on the uh, the Covenant scope, you know, a challenge is that's going to push that scope kind of high. And with the Boyd's Pro Varmint, one of the the knocks that I've always heard people have against it is the fact that it has a low cheek uh, cheek piece and and the one that comes from the factory uh, with CZ, it doesn't have an adjustable cheek, cheek piece. So you have to figure out a way to kind of build up your position if you're using a scope with a larger objective. And for this, I went with the Victor Company um, cheek riser kit. Uh, Victor Company makes an awesome stock for the Ruger 1022 models. And they have uh, a cheek piece riser set that will al allow you to uh, get a higher cheek well. And you know that helps when you have a scope that's sitting higher on the rifle. And so uh, the great thing about that, um, that cheek riser set, even though it's designed for the Victor Company rifles, it will work on the Boyd's Pro Varmint. So really excited to get all of it put together. Like I said, that's, uh, that's the project for this weekend, actually, to get everything ready and uh, you know just see how that rifle performs now the last thing is uh you know as part of this will be just you know going not only just getting the rifle out and shooting it but uh you know deciding what ammo that i plan to use right now um i have a good selection of sk standard sk rifle match um, sk biathlon which is fantastic ammo some of the SK long range, as well as some uh, Lapua Cinerex and Midas. Um, you know, the base class rifle, obviously, um, I've spent, you know, a fair amount of money on some add-ons and things like that. But we're going to try all the different ammo and just see what it likes. And uh, hopefully it's going to like, you know, some of what I already have, you know, a, a good amount of. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. For what what I'm doing with that uh, that little CZ, uh, like I said, this we're going to call this episode the pimp my CZ because uh, that's really what I you know spent the majority of the time talking about. And uh, you know, check back next little bit. Uh, there's going to be a blog post kind of going in details about this. Uh, I'll try to have you know share some pictures and things like that as we go along with getting everything set up. But uh, I think you'll really uh, you know I think. I think it's really going to be a neat rifle and one that I, I'm expecting it to perform really well. So as final thoughts, uh, just, or, oh, oh, before I forget, you know, a quick mention about our sponsor, it's getaccuratepayments.com. Uh, for those of you that are business owners, or uh, if you know someone who runs a business or owns a business, accepting payments from your customers, that's a big, big deal. And in this day and age where a few people, uh, carry cash and most businesses won't take checks credit cards are and accepting credit cards are a critical element to any business with that being said what we find is a lot of people in the firearms industry have learned the hard way which is that 
a lot of payments companies are not pro-gun, not pro-Second Amendment, and actually the complete opposite. There's been numerous reports in the news of gun manufacturers, uh, wholesalers and retailers, as well as e-commerce business owners whose merchant accounts were shut down without any warning, leaving the business with no way to accept payments from their customers. Well, at getaccuratepayments.com, they are very much pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment, and have no issues whatsoever with doing credit card processing for businesses in the gun industry. So if you are a manufacturer, a wholesaler, a retailer, or an e-tailer, head on over to getaccuratepayments.com, reach out to them. There's a contact form there. You can fill it out, and someone from their team will reach out to you and see you know, see what they can do to help you with your business, grow your business, and make sure that you're getting payments in a timely manner and not being discriminated against because of the industry you're in. So head on over to getaccuratepayments.com. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Go out, take those 22s, shoot, have fun. But remember, it's not just a 22. It's from Fire Tactical. Cheers.